Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Today's guest grew up on a farm in Wetaskiwin, Alberta. He's now, however, living in Los Angeles, working as an actor. Today on Connections, he'll share a little bit about his career, about his music, and he'll share how his faith has impacted all of this. We're joined today by actor and musician Paul Green. He's originally from Wetaskiwin, Alberta, now living in Los Angeles. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You were born in a small town in Alberta. You're now in LA. How did that all work? Yeah. Well, yes, I was born in in Alberta, uh, in Wetaskiwin, and my dad is an oil and my mom is a nurse. So we... Um, pretty normal for Alberta to be have a parent in the oil business and I you know I always I grew up on a farm so working and playing hockey like most Albertans <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I started dabbling with music and and acting in church I was a drummer in church and um, and then I picked up the guitar and trombone and, and I didn't really like music at that time. I just was forced to do something drums. I loved cause I felt like a rebel. Um, and the church we had, the music was quite lively where one of my best friends, dad was our, our associate pastor there. And they're fr- they were from Steinbeck originally um, there in, in Southern Manitoba. Um, and, and I knew I always, you know, it wasn't until, I watched a movie called Bloodsport, which is a martial arts movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and, and I started waking up on the farm. I actually saw Purple Rain on the same weekend. So I literally, and, and I grew up very sheltered, like no, we weren't allowed uh, albums or films that weren't Christian, so to speak. Like I, I, I saw Chariots of Fire, I think was my first movie. Uh and so, and then on a rebellious weekend at my friend's house, I saw Purple Rain, Prince yeah. Purple Rain, and and Bloodsport. And I kept waking up on the farm in a dream that I was on set on a movie set. Um, and I don't know how it happened, but I like from fourteen to sixteen, I had this recurring dream that I was on a movie set. And so as soon as I got my license at sixteen, I put myself in an acting school in. Edmonton at Daryl Mork's uh, school for film and TV uh, not knowing why or how I was going to do that, but it just, I had knew I had to get into it somehow. And, uh, and, and I, <laughs> I was in volleyball school or volleyball, like club for Alberta. I played Alberta club volleyball and high school, uh, our team won provincials. And I thought I was going to become a professional beach volleyball player. That was sort of my dream. And I was playing volleyball uh, and I got a scholarship to Red Deer College uh, to play uh, indoor volleyball there from a beach tournament. The the head coach there scouted me from a beach volleyball tournament. And while I was there at Red Deer, I, someone found me in a a bar um, and said, you should model and said, I should go to Calgary and meet Kelly Streit who's a very successful uh, modeling. He found Trisha Helfer, who's from Stetler, Alberta. Um, and right at the same time, she had just won the Ford supermodel of the world um, in 92. And Kelly, uh, that night that in, in Calgary changed everything. I was, uh, he said, you're going to model. And I left college and he, I went to Toronto to, 
uh, for Levi's campaign. And that was right at 18. I just, just turning 19, like right after I graduated and was in my first six months of Regio college and everything sort of the direction changed in my life from pro sports to male modeling, which was <laughs> not, not expected at, at all. And the funny thing was growing up in church the way I did, I, you know, I had these weekend or not weekend, but summer kind of Bible camp heightened experiences with God where I, you know, they were very emotional and I, I experienced quite a personal relationship with God, but I was quite a rebellious teenager. And it, I ironically, as soon as I started modeling, uh, I be, I committed myself fully to God and and became celibate and started reading my Bible and I waited from 18 to my wedding night like for my I uh, to have sex again like I literally recommitted my life in the in the weirdest time like living in Milan and Paris and Tokyo and London at 19 years old and I was just living almost like a monk lifestyle where I would I would play my guitar and I would read my Bible and uh, invest in real estate. Like I had the strangest early twenties uh, and late teens, um, and it was really, I was really like protected and safe. And I can't explain why it was just it was all grace and all mercy that I had. I had a really phenomenal um, gift uh, where I was you know, cause I was quite a wild teenager in a lot of different ways. But then I met this girl who was a model named Jenny Coates at the time. And she bought me a Bible and a guitar and I never, I took it everywhere with me for years and I played it for hours and hours a day. And I wrote my first album then at 19 um, that has the stone on it and uh, a couple songs that I recut recently onto my latest album that I had written when I was young. Um, and then all along that journey of Europe and Asia, whenever I would do a commercial, cause I was, when you do a modeling, you often have chance to do some moving pictures too. And those days when I did uh, TV uh, commercials were my favorite days. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like when they yell, would yell action, I'd be like, Ooh, I'm on my movie set from <laughs> blood sport. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, all along the way, I had this just phenomenal experience in it. I, I worked early for um, J crew and Tommy Hilfiger for almost 10 years for both those companies. And, so every catalog around the world from French catalog, German, American wanted that look of a all American look from uh, Tommy Hilfiger and um, J crew. And so I was busy. I was working 250 days a year as a model and, and then ended up in New York through Miami. And, and then once I lived in New York, I started taking, going to some of the best acting schools because there was Stella Adler and Uta Hagen and um, Susan Batson, these really great um, acting schools. And, but I was still so busy modeling that I didn't really ever have the time to go to LA for pilot season, which is, you know, now I'm in my mid twenties, late twenties. Um, but every day from Brooklyn to New York, I would take my guitar on the train. It was about a 40 minute commute and I'd play Every song I knew, like standing on the train, it would be my time. It would take the time. It would it would help the time go by. But 
uh, I would do it sort of just as an offering to the, so I played mostly gospel and originals on these trains and people would offer me money, like, is it, but I'd be like, no, 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 I'm just doing this. I wouldn't like collect money, but sometimes I'd hand out little tracks because I was going to David Wilkerson's church in New York called Times Square Church. And David Wilkerson wrote The Cross and the Switchblade back in the 70s. Um, and so I was a part of the subway ministry, I guess, in um, cool and a part of the choir. So I was like the only white guy in a hundred person black choir <laughs> at Times Square. So music was always there, but the, the modeling and the acting was kind of, was, was my main career, I guess. And the income that, that I used uh, that, that propelled me forward. But I knew that I had to somehow get to LA to act. And then when my son just uh, 9-11 happened uh, and I was filming for Target down downtown and we had to run from the buildings uh, that were falling near us. Like we were close enough that they evacuated our building and had to walk up through Central Park across to where I was living in Queens. I had moved from Brooklyn to Queens. And then when my son was born in 2003, the entire Eastern seaboard lost power when my son was like six days old. Oh, wow. And we lived up on the 37th floor and had to carry my son to go, you know, get food and whatever. And it was almost a week that there was no power. Um, And that was strike two for New York. And then strike three was carrying my son. He was two weeks old and a big truck came by and splashed us with gray water and I was holding my son and we were covered with water and I'm like that's it I'm selling because we had bought some uh, rental properties in Jersey City and Long Island City and I had just been married at that point for about four or five years to my son's mom Angie and we packed up and left New York for LA uh, when my son was brand new like six six months old. And I was like, I'm, we're going to LA. I'm going to try acting. And I canceled all my clients in New York, which was Nordstrom's and Macy's and Burdine's and, and um, Saks and Tommy Hilfiger. And I just said, guys, I'm quitting modeling. I'm going to act. And that was when I was 30, um, which is 16 years ago. I'm 46 now. So I went to left New York in the middle of a career at the height of a career and really uh, and with a newborn uh, or a six month old to, to then finally get to LA to try and act uh, at 30. And that brought me here to LA 16 years ago. And then since then, I think I've been on 650 auditions and had 600 no's and about 50 yeses, which is my, which is my career. I've just, um, really really uh learned how to handle rejection quite quite on the regular and <laughs> and then all the way along playing music and recording uh albums in new york i recorded an album in sherwood park i recorded an album and then when i got out here um i just kept playing and i met this producer and about a year and a half ago we released freedom for your soul which is my the album um, that I'm most proud of and most excited about. And it was a dedication to my dad who passed from ALS um, about six years ago. And, and it, it sort of a, uh, the album has a country feel and a pedal steel and a bit of a gospel uh, feel that I, that would honor my dad. And I knew he, it would, it was, it was to him and the money, the album raised money for ALS research because my dad died from ALS 
And, um, and that sort of brings us to like current I'm, I, I'm been acting a lot more since I've been out here. I'm on the Hallmark channel. Uh, I've done uh, several movies for them, um, maybe about 10 movies like uh, for them. And then we're on season eight of a show called when calls a heart, which was created by Michael Landon Jr. And it's very much like Little House on the Prairie. It's uh, the fans are the same fans. And it's, there's, it's, it takes place about 30 years after Little House, like 1915. And I still get to play music a lot when I'm there filming in Vancouver. And, you know, music's definitely my passion, but I'm so fortunate that I have a, a, a career also in, in with making movies and telling stories, which I love to do as well. So those are my two sort of passions uh, with, with film and music, and I'm able to do them both as my career right now. Now, going back to your family, as you said, you grew up in a very strict Christian home um, with those, you know, those very strict rules of what you watch, what you listen to. What did your parents think um, when you made this career, uh, when you decided to get into the acting, the modeling, especially because obviously these don't exactly have um, the best reputations, right? Yeah, my parents were very supportive, which was, but we had a big breakthrough maybe a year prior in my last year of school. One of my coaches uh, who recently passed, uh, Larry Ethier, who's an amazing volleyball coach, uh, said, I was stealing, like breaking into cars and I was just you know, we, my parents had money. I didn't need to steal. I was just doing it for the thrill and the rebellion. And, and he, my coach knew I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. And my coach, Larry said, if you're going to hang out with them, you can't start for me. I was a starting uh, setter and the captain. And he said, uh, and you have to tell your parents that you're stealing. And I was like, Larry, mm-hmm. I was like, what? And so it took me about six months, but eventually we sat down. And I was like, mom, dad, I kind of have a stealing problem. Um, and this was in grade 11. And as soon as I told them it was over, like I stopped because they were so supportive and they're like, what can we do rather than you're grounded? And it turned around everything. You know, sometimes it only takes one. And this one coach believed in me and saw me greater than just, uh, you know, um, you know, someone who's just needs attention or someone who needs to break the law to feel a, a, a bit of a high, but it, it was him, Larry, that helped me get the relationship back. So by the time Kelly Stripe found me for modeling, I had a relationship with my parents and they did trust me. Uh, and, but I'm sure they were terrified, but you know, I was, I was flying airplanes at that time. I got my license and like really young, I was flying by myself and I flew a plane to New York when I was 22 oh, wow. from, from Wetaskiwin and kept it in New York for seven years. And um, so you might, there's 14 pilots in my family. I grew up with aviation. So they, you know, they didn't have a choice really. I mean, I was 18 when, you know, when I had college or 17 and almost 18. And they're like, they knew, you know, I had stars in my eyes from, from a very young age, meaning I, I was, I was like a thoroughbred horse that was, just waiting to run into the world and experience speed and fun. And, and, you know, so they, they knew they couldn't, they were scared after talking to them later, they were terrified, but you know, there was a lot of, I was riding motorcycles and airplanes. So they were like used to holding, you know, holding, pray, <laughs> praying to Jesus that I would survive the the day, I guess. But um, yeah, it's hard. You know, and the, and the recommitting my life to God at that age was, pure grace like I can't even take credit for it I just 
I, it was an, a divine intervention that had me so disciplined. Like I learned to cook, learned to fly, learned to music and languages and real estate. And I had all, instead of having sex with every model I, I saw, uh, I was, I took all that, that energy and turned it into, I guess, creating a foundation for my life and it was very I was so creative I wrote like 50 songs in that time and bought a ton of real estate at like 20 years old so I I, it was a really um I'd love to to say I had something to do with it but I (laughs) honestly I honestly felt so guided by God and to any parents listening out there that might have fear that their kids are going to go off the rails on a crazy train, it's like there's there's a bigger hand at play than us as parents. Like our kids are these. There's a fav, There's one of my favorite quotes from Khalil Gibran, who's a who wrote the book called The Prophet, where you know us parents are like the bow and the kids are the arrow, and God's hand pulls back that arrow and the bow and bends us to His will, and the kids just fly out. And they're guided by the archer's hand, not by the bow. So it's like any parents that are worried about their kids, I mean, just continue to lead by example, which my parents really did. So uh, it wasn't hard for me to, to be honest and have integrity because my dad and my mom had so much of it that their example was much more than them trying to control me or be worried about all the twists and turns. Now, speaking of your father, you mentioned it earlier, he passed VLS um, and your freedom uh, for your soul album is dedicated to your father. What was that like? ALS is a horrible uh, disease to have any loved one pass away from and just to watch them. What was that like for you? Oof. It was it was so intense and it happened so quick. He was flying planes and riding motorcycles and then it wasn't long and he was working up in, in Alaska for Exxon or SOO. And it just, you know, he started losing some use of his hands and it, 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 the degeneration happened so quickly that it really, I think it took us a while to recover just because it, he went so quick and he, within two years he was gone. Um, And it was a bit of a medical, you know, the doctor gave him a blood thinner when he shouldn't have. And he, he would have probably lived a few more years had he not gone into the hospital, um, and the, and hadn't been put on blood thinners, but um, it's a journey, you know, losing someone you love. And I was very close to my dad and oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's every, we're, we're all headed that way at some point. So it's, it's such a natural part of life is losing someone you love and we're all going to do it many, many, many times. So it doesn't make it easier, but it's, there's knowing that that's, that's just life. Like we will lose everyone we know at some point. And it's, it stinks when it's early, but I did have 40 years with this man and, you know, not a, some people have, don't have um, that much time with somebody as awesome as my dad. So mm-hmm. I, I count, I count my stars. I I'm so grateful and I feel so blessed that I had that amount of time with him and, and, what a guy my dad was so awesome he he was you know he played music too and taught me walk don't run on the electric guitar when I was really young and um yeah you know everyone goes through it um Colleen everyone loses 
people they love. And it's just, it's just how you just have to learn how to let go, which is a really challenging thing when you don't want to let go. The album though, tell us a little bit more about that. And was that a part of your journey and your grieving? Yes, for sure. And I had met a producer uh, actually at a, in Joshua tree and we were there to retreat and he was playing this music and his music was so profound and he had never produced an album before. And I said, would you produce my album? And we hit it off so well. And we were writing and I, I pulled about four songs from my twenties on and we just totally reworked them into a bit of a Western uh, spaghetti Western style, like with pedal steel and a Gretsch guitar. And I just love, he's such a great musician. And then my drummer, was a drummer for one of my favorite bands um, that I, I, he worked with Iron and Wine, which is a, a bit of a folk band I like, and Calexico. Um, and so the, the, and the guy um, who mixed the album, um, oh, what's his name again? He also mixed, you know, all the Tom Petty and Joni Mitchell albums. And he's just, and so we mixed on an old, um, it's on my album. I'm just blanking on his name right now, but so it was, it was mixed in a, in this, in a spot where some of my favorite Tom Petty records were um, mixed. And so the whole thing was just, and it only took three and a half months from beginning to end um, to, to finish writing, record and master it and then release it. So it was, a, it was a, 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 it took us about four months total to get it from all the way Um and it was definitely a part of the grieving. I, you know, I there's a song in there called I Remember, um, which is about growing up with my dad. That's very personal. And then my dad loved The Stone, which is um, about uh, when Mary comes to the tomb of Christ. And so, and, and, and I wanted the album to reach not, you know, everybody. So I made it so that it would be not in your face, uh, in any way, but like also very approachable and I, and music I would listen to. So I'm very, yeah, I'm very proud of it. And I w- it was a joyful thing. It wasn't a lot of grievings. When I hear, I remember, or I p- perform, I do a lot of lives on, I've done 220 lives uh, between Facebook and YouTube since the, uh, since COVID started uh, about a year ago this week, really. And I, I go live two to three times a week between my Instagram, my Facebook and YouTube and I play, I remember is requested a lot. And, but my dad really liked to place in my heart too, which is, uh, has a lot of pedal steel. And, and I wouldn't say it was a part of the grieving process. It was a celebration. Like my grieving, you know, I, I don't think my dad would want us to be grieving about him rather than just re- remembering and celebrating who he was. Uh, going back to your acting, what would you say has been your favorite part of acting or your favorite role? And what role has faith played in all of your acting now? Well, it's interesting. I um, ending up on the Hallmark channel in Hallmark channel is very committed to putting out content that is, um, you know, very wholesome in a sense that people can watch with their grandma and their family. And, and um, I, I'm really, you know, I'm bummed. My dad hasn't seen a single one of my Hallmark movies or or Winkles of Heart and I know he would have really loved that stuff um but my favorite my favorite would be you know in I these romantic comedy movies that we do um are 
are really fun. We shoot them about three weeks or two and a half weeks. And there's one called anything for love out there that I'm really proud of where I played a male nurse. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm on the, the, my, I play a doctor on when calls the heart, which is the series that's on, on Hallmark right now. Uh, I just, I just count, you know, I really enjoy being on set and when they yell action, it just feels like, all right, it's a game, like, and I'm in it and it's exciting and you're, every time is a little different and, you know, and what part faith has played is just, I have a really personal relationship with God, very intimate, very, I would say, I don't know if it's in any way, um, normal meaning like it is my relationship has it's it's very unique to me and very very personal um and 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 i'm not i don't like on set i'm not like talking to everybody about about god i'm like i listen and i i do my best to live my life as an example more than i would like be talking about my faith in any way um but you know, it, it plays, it, it gets interwoven into the compassion that I bring to the character and the story. And, you know, um, it's just not really separate from my life. Like everything is sort of woven together in that intimacy and that relationship that I have um, with God. And it's very personal. And that makes sense. You've, you've had the opportunity um, actually to work with some people who are, are Christians as well. Um and what's that like when you have that opportunity to be side by side with someone who has that personal relationship like that? Well, it's exciting, especially like Candace Cameron Bure is, uh, I think she's, she's quite vocal about her relationship with God and her family's relationship. And um, she's hilarious and really fun. We had the, <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies was, was called a Christmas detour and Candace and I worked together Um you know, just awesome. It's been, it was really great with working with her uh, and talking with her about things. And, you know, you, you do develop a really close bond on these sets with these people. So yeah, Candace is probably my favorite, like over, over the time, she's just so funny. And we had a, we had a really great time. I quickly, the other day, um, checked out when calls the heart. Cause all of a sudden I was on Netflix and I was like, Hey, I'm interviewing the all from this in a couple of days. So I'm going to check it out. So I zoomed through all the episodes to find you and had an opportunity and it's very interesting. So I'll have to actually sit down and have the chance to watch the show. Oh yeah. I come in in season four and uh, the show where we just season eight last night was episode three from season eight. And it seems to just keep getting more popular. Like um, they're taking it off Netflix. Now it'll be on the Hallmark streaming service. Um, called the Hallmark movies now. And then also on the main Hallmark cable channel, but I think, and then all around the world, I think in Canada, you get it on the W or on uh, yes. super, super channel. My mom's very happy about that. She's <laughs> there with Tasquin and her Sunday's super channel airs previous seasons all day long oh, as, nice. <laughs> as they get ready for the new one. So yeah, my mom's thrilled about, <laughs> about it because she loved little house on the prairie. Um, what's next for you? Well, lots more movies I'm producing and writing um, with other writing partners and pitching to Hallmark and other networks. Uh, there's a series called Idlewild, which is about um, that I'm really excited about that we're shopping around um, that deals with 
uh, healing uh, PTSD through equine therapy, um, through equine therapy, through horses. Um, and so there's, there's, I have a, a handful of projects that I am, um, that I'm excited about um, producing and, and helping and bringing them to get and also acting in them. And I'm ready to, I just directed a couple shorts. So I'm directing, and then I have four new songs for my new album. So I'm working towards releasing another um, one of my albums here shortly. And, and I keep releasing them as singles, but I'm saving a few for that album too. So I have a studio here in LA. That's, that's a, one of the rooms in our house. We've sort of converted where I do, um, where I do my music and podcasting. I'm hosting a podcast called the grass is greener with Paul green. And I've had, that's just took, taken off. We, we charted at number 13 in the U S yesterday. So there's like a really, I've had some, they're long conversations or like two and a half hours and sitting oh. down with, with actors and, and creators and actually my first guest was russell reimer who i told you about who owns manifesto sports agency there in canada um and then you know i'm a dad my son 17 so just squeezing out the hours and the minutes before he goes off to college and (laughs) and i'm engaged to kate austin who's um an australian we've been together for seven years and she um just we're we have this amazing course we do uh, called freedom alchemist that takes people through learning how to forgive and learning how to love themselves where they're at and then i i share most of the physical stuff the helping them and uh, some of our one one of our uh our our students has lost 50 pounds in the last year and and it's normal that we hear people lose 20 to 30 pounds they just just teaching them fundamentals of fitness and health and then they also kate helps them she's a tony robbins trained strategic intervention coach so she helps them break down some of the limiting beliefs and the sabotage stories that they and and it's just been amazing we've taken hundreds and hundreds of people through this course and we're that's that is so exciting for us that people um it's sort of like a transformation body transformation and relationship transformation course that and so we're working on the, the our latest um release of that course which is going to be a subscription monthly thing that we're doing so we're very busy we're and you know and i do my lives three times a week and i'll be heading back to vancouver soon to film another movie and then um god willing season nine of when calls a heart starts filming uh, again in july um so after we take a little trip to europe before that then that's what's next uh, for our listeners, if they want to learn more about you or want to find out about any of the stuff that you're doing, how do they go about doing that? I'm Paul Green with the E official, most places, Facebook and uh, Instagram and YouTube is Paul Green official. And I, and then the podcast is The Grass is Greener with Paul Green. And, and then my website's just paulgreen.com, which is kind of the portal where they can find out um, show times and all, all of those things. So yeah, yeah, no, I am busy, but I do make sure I have a lot of time to play. I like it. Life has to be very fun for me or I pretty much don't do it. If it's not fun, forget about it. Like I have to bring a high level of fulfillment and enjoyment to this stuff. As soon as it gets too busy, then I just back way off and I just get simple again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.